Well, hi. Um, this is a little unusual, but I am here before the intro. This is a pre-intro intro. intro. Mm-hmm. We have a quick announcement to make, actually, don't we, before we get into today's episode. Because we were remiss. We just totally forgot about we, we did mentioning forget. this. Yes, and our timing was a bit all over the place with mm. the move and whatnot, as you would know. So this is just a really quick pre-intro intro to let you know about the first experiment which is kicking off next Thursday, the 1st of March. Now, you don't need to do anything for this yet, but we just wanted to give you a heads up in case you wanted to join us. But the March experiment, slow experiment, is prioritising time outdoors. Yeah. And by prioritising, do you mean like spending a certain period outdoors, a day or a week or a month? We are. We're going to try and spend 60 minutes outdoors every day. But I know that that's probably not going to appeal to a lot of people or maybe even be possible for some people. So I think that if we can encourage people to join in and just prioritize that time, getting outdoors, slowing down, taking a quick walk on their lunch break, whatever it may be, uh, I think that that would be a really good place to start. And we're going to go through this in more detail on the 1st of March episode. So all you need to know Today, I guess, or now is... That that's what we're going to be focusing on mm-hmm. for this slow experiment in March. We'd love to have you join us. I have also put together a bit of a scavenger hunt list, which is just a fun way to maybe think outside the box in terms of getting that, that time outdoors. And you can download that at slowyourhome.com nature. And uh, yeah, that's a really good place to start. Absolutely. So I think that's it. That's the experiment. That's what we're going to kick off with next week. Of course, if you're listening to this after the 1st of March, you can join in anytime. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, enjoy today's episode. Back to your regular scheduling. Absolutely. Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. I'm Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery. Welcome to episode 226. Thank you. We got there. We're talking to, well, I'm not talking, but you have the pleasure of talking to Kirsty Faruja. I did, indeed. Uh, Kirsty is a professional organiser. Ooh. Mm. I remember back in the day when people asked you whether you were a professional organiser. And I laughed and, and laughed, laughed and, and laughed, laughed and said, Hell no. Me. I am. Uh, it's interesting, I think, when I first started writing about simplifying the time I think that I was writing about it, it was all very much about productivity and like I tr- really tried to fit into that mold of the productive spreadsheet. People, and person. I think people assumed you would. Like People assumed that I was very organised. And that you provided a service, like yeah. you'd come into a home and declutter. Yeah. yeah. No. That's not you. That's not me. That no. is not playing to my strengths. Nope. It is playing to Kirsty's strengths though. So I loved this conversation because it put to bed quite a few myths that I had in mind about professional organizers and people who will come into your home and help you to get organized and declutter and and all the rest of it because I had assumed that they were uber organized people and it was really nice to kind of dig a little deeper into Kirsty's reasons for becoming an organizer and also the things that she personally struggles with uh, and to kind of put the human face to this idea of organization because for me it always seemed like I guess like when I first interviewed um, Bea Johnson from Zero Waste Home where I assumed it was like this perfect, you know, 
all-knowing, all-doing way of living. Uh, and it turns out that it wasn't, and it certainly took a long time to get to the point that she is. And Kirsty kind of does the same service for professional organisers, I think, and we get to peel back the, the curtain on what it actually looks like. Yeah, when, you, when someone exactly. comes into your home and helps yeah. you, what does that look like? Yeah. It was fascinating. Do you talk about those really awkward moments like, yeah, with clients yeah. that they just can't see the sort of reality of a situation. Absolutely. And, and there's also deny and all the rest of it, you know, all that. Yeah. Like there's a spectrum, I think, of people with their relationship to stuff as well. Mm. I mean, there's people who just need the the help of mm. someone coming in one time and helping to remove that that clutter and that's enough. But then there's people on the other end of the spectrum who may be suffering from hoarding tendencies and stuff, stuff like that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really wonderful to talk to to Kirsty and to get her tips and her yeah. insights and also some of her experiences and struggles. Yeah, I really loved speaking with her. So to get all of the links to Kirsty's website and her professional organizing service, just head to slowyourhome.com slash 226. But Kirsty is also the co-host of the Art of Decluttering podcast with Amy Ravel. And they are both professional organizers, Melbourne and Sydney based, and really go deep into the ins and outs of decluttering and how to help yourself before you maybe necessarily need to to bring in an organizer. So uh, it's a fantastic listen and I would highly recommend you check that out on iTunes or anywhere else. That's theartofdecluttering.com.au and this is Kirsty Ferugia. Hello, Kirsty. Hi, Brooke. How are you? Great. How are you? <laughs> Very well. Hey, thank you so much for, for joining me today. It's um, We've been chatting off air <laughs> for a little while, but it's so <laughs> nice to talk to you just, just, for, just for a solid almost hour. Um, so nice to talk to you. Well, it's so lovely to be talking to you, Brooke. Um, yes, I'm sure everybody will hear my fangirling voice as I speak to you. <laughs> It's something that I'm just, I just, I still don't know what to, to say other than thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh. So I want to get straight into it because you're a professional organizer and a podcaster, but you specialize in helping people to declutter and let go of excess stuff. And I know you've got a whole philosophy that I really do align with myself quite closely, but I think I want to start by by covering this idea that I have been hesitant in the past to talk too much about decluttering. Um, I mean, I have spoken about it because that's where my process of slowing down began by letting go of all of our excess crap. But what I found was once I started talking about it and focusing on that, and then people would be asking me questions about decluttering, like that's as far as the conversation would go. And I think people started to see decluttering as the fixing of all their problems. And as a professional organizer, I mean, do you, do you see that, that kind of tendency? People like, if I declutter, everything will be great. You know, if I, if I let go of all this excess stuff, I'll be fixed. Do you find that? Yes, I do find that. I also find that that is not the case. Mm. <laughs> so people I completely agree with you. People think that that is the silver bullet 
but it's so not the silver bullet. It actually, in my mind, what the silver bullet is, (laughs) is actually a change of lifestyle, which I know is your philosophy as well, that it actually needs, you need to actually change your habits and the way you think about things and the way that you practice and your daily living out is what actually changes someone's lifestyle. Right. So when you come into someone's home um, as a professional organizer, like how do you, how do you start with people? Where do you start? Most of the time I start with what is most frustrating them. So they'll often call me because their kitchen is a mess or the playroom is out of control and they're just feeling overwhelmed and frustrated and have made the brave call to contact me. And so we usually start with what's frustrating them the most and they'll often go, but I don't know how to start, Kirsty. Mm-hmm. Like how, how do I actually start? <laughs> Why are you here if I could do this by myself? <laughs> um, and I just say, let's just start. Let's start with whatever your eyes fall on first or whatever your feet hit first and just start. So that's what we do. We start. By picking up pieces, like picking up things and questioning whether or not that aligns with their vision for their home and or their vision for that room, and what what they want to create. Yeah, that's what I do. So, I mean, I like I like the way you say that. You talk about working with people to establish what their vision of their home is, and I guess by extension of that how they want to live in their home and what life yes. looks like as a result. And I think that idea of the overarching kind of values or vision or you know whatever you want to call it is really mm. important because for me anyway I mean I, I know you've probably heard me harp on about it on the podcast once I knew that like once I had even some sort of fuzzy idea of what I wanted life to look like it became so much simpler to start to let go of stuff and you know beliefs and all the other stuff that comes along with it is that what you find when you work with people once they start to figure out what their why is or their vision, it starts to become, I'm not going to say easier, (laughs) but simpler to move forward? Yes, very much so. I definitely love starting with that question Mm. and I love that you found that too, that figuring out what it is that's frustrating you about your life or about the room and then peeling back that onion skin and going, well, why is that frustrating you? What is it that you're actually wanting to achieve in this room or in this space? And then broadening that out to their whole home and their whole lifestyle um, can really help with deciding whether or not this broken toy deserves to stay in the house (laughs) or whether this much-loved toy deserves to stay in the house. Like, it does that fit with the vision that we've created, you know, that they've created for their home? Yeah, I, I, I just think it's really essential to figuring out why you've got to this place that you've called me and why you've got to this place of overwhelmed in your home and why, why is that dissonant with your vision? Mm. Yeah, and I think... I mean, what you, you're essentially doing there is, is asking people to be very vulnerable as well. Is That's a, mm-hmm. a kind of privileged 
place to sit with people, you know, because they've called you, they've put themselves out there to say, I am really struggling here. I'm really at a loss <laughs> what to do or, or how to move forward or I feel trapped or whatever it may be. How do you encourage people to feel okay about where they're at and, and then to move forward rather than beating ourselves up and going, I'm, you know, I can't believe I let it get to this point or, you know, I, I, this is all my fault kind of situation. Well, I very much feel so honoured and privileged to have been the one that they've called um, and feel very honoured that they do open themselves up and open their homes up to me. So I hope I hold that space well for them. I have, cannot actually remember a session I've had where somebody hasn't cried mm. because of the peeling back of the onions. I think that's a, such an awesome metaphor, actually, I just realised, because peeling back onions always makes me cry. <laughs> um, Literally so and metaphorically. Yes, I think that that's such a... <laughs> um, so I hope that I do my clients, yeah, justice by holding grace for them and letting them know that it's okay. They're not the only ones who have gone through this. I totally understand. I think that um, one of the benefits of me or one of my unique <laughs> uniqueness about me is that I am similar to you, that I have not always been organized. I have not always lived in a decluttered house. Um, this isn't my natural bent. Mm -hmm. It actually takes work for me, even in my own life and in my own home. So I totally empathize with my clients because I totally have been feeling overwhelmed in my own home as well and in my own emotions and, and, you know, the mess that is humanity, <laughs> I totally get them. Even if I haven't been in their unique situation, right. I have been in my own unique situation and I'm not coming in with judgment and I'm not coming in with, I've got it all together because I certainly don't. I am a work in progress still. So I hope that they yeah, can see the grace in my life that I have for myself and that I extend, hopefully they can see that I extend it to them as well and that that's something that I can teach them Yeah, to have grace for themselves and grace for the season and grace for the situation that they might find themselves in and just to move forward. So it is always about, to me, it is about sitting in their mess with them like I have to be totally cool to sit in their mess with them. Mm -hmm. Like it's life's messy. Humans are messy. And that's my job <laughs> is to actually sit in the mess with them, to be okay with their mess, to be okay with them, and then to help them see that it is possible to move forward. And obviously for some people it's easier and other people it's harder and some people just get a little you know, wet in the eyes and other people, <laughs> I've actually sat down and spent a whole session crying with them and over a cup of tea. So, yeah, does that answer your question? It does, no, it absolutely does. And I think I, I love what you said about like life is messy and humans are messy and I think that maybe one of the reasons that I 
I struggled for a while there with talking about simplifying our stuff and decluttering and, you know, all the the kind of peripheral ideas around that, like minimalism and simplicity and stuff, is because it, by virtue of social media and hashtagism and all that kind of stuff, speaks to this idea of kind of a stripped back constant tidiness and being on top of stuff all the time. And that makes people feel bad, right? You know, that that we compare Mm. what we know of our own mess and our own turmoil and our own struggles to let go of things or to, to be okay with things to what we see externally of these ideas of decluttering and simplifying. And I think we feel like somewhere along the road we went wrong. And I, I just don't think that that's the case at all. I, for me, I think decluttering, letting go of the excess stuff is an absolutely essential part in creating the kind of life that we want to look back on and see. It's not the, like the means in and of itself, I think it's important. I actually think it's vital to question our belongings and why we feel attached to things and why we hold on to things, but it's also probably not the, like the be all and end all. So I really like that you said, and you acknowledge and you kind of come to people in this vulnerable state with the outlook that like I sit, I'm going to sit here with you and it's fine (laughs) and life is messy and it's fine. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. I hope my clients feel the same. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure they would. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I just think that that's really a really beautiful thing to to give to people because they are feeling really they I can only imagine that if if they've got to a point where they're frustrated enough about the way they're living in their home and they want to change it, like that's no one likes doing that. No one likes going, I need help. No. I don't. <laughs> I never did, and it was really hard to <laughs> to say that. It's really hard to say I'm not doing okay in this area. I need help. So I think it's wonderful. Um, so I want to go back because you said that you're not and you weren't naturally an organized person. What I'm still did not. That, okay, okay. There we go. <laughs> this this is nice. I'm still <laughs> not. Neither am I. But what did that process of, of change look like for you? I mean, did you get to a point where you personally were feeling overwhelmed with your home and you made changes, which then saw you progress down this path of helping other people? Or what did that look like? That's a great question, Brooke. <laughs> for me, it actually looked like getting married, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting married to an uber organized person mm-hmm. and the rub that is marriage. <laughs> the hardness that is marriage and the beautifulness that is marriage has actually been the transformation of me. Oh, I'm going to get all teary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Peeling that onion. Yes. <laughs> get that onion away from me, bro. <laughs> like, I don't like this. <laughs> no, I do. Yeah, so to be perfectly honest, it has been out of my desire to love my husband better Mm. and to not have him so frustrated in our home Mm -hmm. (laughs) and at times at me. So it has been a desire of mine to change and also because I saw how much ease came from his life. Like the ease that was in his life was inspiring me and then the rub of my life against his was also motivation to change and I'm not please don't hear me say people that you need to change for people because you don't but love often requires us to become better versions of ourselves I love that answer for so many different reasons 
partly because that is what a relationship is, right? You know, it's it's yes. giving and taking for each other. And I think that when we realize that that is what, I mean, aside from a lot of other things, but that is what a relationship consists of, I think that there's, uh, there's, there's, there's freedom and there's generosity and there's learning in that. But also because people ask me all the time how to get a partner on board who is not on board with the idea of slowing down or simplifying. And my answer has always been a version of you can't, that you can't force someone to change, to, to fit what you would prefer, because I think that's where resentment and bitterness and kind of doing things in a half-assed sort of way lies. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I've been that person on both sides. Um, but I like that you, you essentially said you saw the ease that came from the way your husband was living and that was attractive to you. And that's something that I always say to people is probably going to be more motivating for your partner or your friend or your family is them seeing the benefits of you living the way you want to live and then going, okay, I want to be a bit more like that. I want to, I want to be part of that. And I think that you're probably the first person who I've spoken to who's apart from Ben, uh, who's kind of made that, that shift. And now you've really made it. I mean, you're committed to, to this, this organizing <laughs> side of life because it's what you do. Yes. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I um, say the same thing as you, funnily enough, <laughs> to my clients and people who ask me how to change. I, I say exactly the same as you. In fact, the other day I've took a photo of your book and the, when you talk about this topic and I sent it to um, somebody and went, see, it's not just me who says this, it's Brooke as well. Because <laughs> oh, I, I love that telling people to do things with grace mm. towards other people. So totally work on your own stuff. Yeah. Do your own work, like you say. Oh, my goodness, I'm even sounding like Brooke. <laughs> do the work that you need to do and people will see it and they will see how much freedom and joy you get but don't put that judgment on them no and then that's what will actually motivate them to change it's not the lack of grace and the judgment that you place on them by demanding that they change as well it's actually the grace that you extend to them when you've picked up their towel for the 15th million time and haven't actually yelled at them <laughs> and have just said, hey, I love it when you put your towel away. Positive <laughs> and, reinforcement. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it, it is extending that grace mm. not only to ourselves but to others around us as we're journeying this life. And I think it's our tendency well, it certainly was my tendency to want to blame others for a lot of what I saw as our clutter or a mess or, you know, our obstacles. Like I'm like, well, of course we have heaps of stuff. We have two young kids and young kids come with a lot of stuff, which is true. But I, that was, a, it was a lot easier for me to shift the blame elsewhere than it was to actually really deeply consider my own shortcomings. Mm -hmm. And once I, I flipped the, the microscope over to myself I found a many years, in fact, worth of work to do on myself before I even worried about anyone else. And I think, again, that's that's an important thing to to realise maybe for people who are struggling to make a shift because they feel trapped by the stuff that belongs to a partner or their kids or, or whatever the case may be, 
just narrow your focus into uh, what you can control for now and, and do your best to work through that before worrying about what sort of falls outside of that, that area of influence. Do you, do you find um, when you're working with clients, is that something that you, you really need to, I guess, shift their perspective on um, rather than big picture, let's look at the entire situation and feel freaked out about it. Let's focus in on what we can do something about today. Yes. The whole time you've been talking, I've been nodding. <laughs> if only this is a video podcast, everybody would see me going, yes, Brooke, yes, Brooke. Totally. In fact, I had a client the other day who was saying, I feel so overwhelmed by this room because it's everybody else's stuff. And I was like, are you sure that it's everybody else's stuff? Like, mm. that may be the case, but you could still work on this room and deal with what you have the permission to work on. So it's your house. You have permission to go into that room because it, it was a study or a junk room, I think mm. it was. <laughs> and she actually realised that there was a whole lot more in that room that actually belonged to her than she at first thought. Yeah. And her after photos were actually of boxes that she had put to one side that did belong to other people in her home, but the rest of the room was cleared because of the work that she chose to do and because she decided to, yes, acknowledge the feelings of overwhelm, but just start anyway. Mm. What what kind of, let's go back to the beginning, I guess, of this idea of decluttering. Why is it important? What do you see the benefits are of letting go of our excess stuff? Let me count the ways, Brooke. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that is an awesome question. There is so much goodness to come out of decluttering. I think it is really important to acknowledge that actually having so much stuff in your house can actually be stopping you from doing a whole lot of things mm. and having clutter and not having a home for everything and not dealing with things straight away or as and when they come into your home and letting that clutter creep. And we all know that clutter's a magnet. Mm -hmm. So having so much in your home, I find stops so many of my clients from doing anything. <laughs> like they'd just rather sit on the couch and watch TV and which is great and we need to have rest and we need to stop. Um, so it's great. It's just not so great if it's all the time. Mm. I work a lot with changing our perception of things. I do a lot of the same things as you talk about in your podcast and um, in your books is that it's actually mindset work that needs to happen. It's actually habits that need to change. Mm -hmm. But I wholeheartedly agree with you that it's actually the decluttering process that we can start with. And I think that that actually frees you up to be able to peel back more onions mm. layers um, <laughs> and actually do some deeper work. But even if you're not at that space yet and you don't actually want to do the deeper work, I think that decluttering just helps you to be able to bring the clothes in from the clothesline and put them away straight away. 
because you're not putting that basket with 10 other baskets. You're not bringing in the mail and putting it with those 10 baskets of washing and the mail from the last week. You're not bringing in school bags and putting them and just on the table and leaving them to somehow magically get unpacked mm-hmm. and dishes washed and repacked and put in school bags the next day. So I think that decluttering and getting your house to a maintainable is that the right way of putting it? Yeah. Like have, having a maintained, decluttered house just helps the functioning of your house and the flow and the ease of your house times yeah. a million. And I, for a long time I, I really struggled to talk about it in any kind of serious, earnest way because I'm like it's just your mail or it's just, you know, letting go of the shoes that no longer fit. But the reality is when you don't have to worry about that stuff, you can – do more living, you know, it's, it's easier to kind of just go, okay, well, let's go for a walk this afternoon or let's, um, sure. We've got drop-in visitors, stay and have a pizza with us. You know, it's, it's just much easier to make space for life when that layer of stuff isn't clogging everything up. And so it really did take me quite a while to acknowledge that, yes, this is important, not because it's important to have some kind of mail in an outwork flow. And that is what I will, you know, that's how I will measure myself as a successful person. It's (laughs) just, it just allows you to then just go and do what you want to do (laughs) rather than having to worry about it. Yeah. It gives you freedom. Yeah. It just, it's freedom, 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 freedom Mm. and joy. Mm. (laughs) And I just, I love the fact that I can go to school, pick up and say to my friends, hey, come on back. Like, what are you doing? Come on back to my house. Like, and I can, like, as you said, we can go for a walk or we can do stuff because we have that. Not only do we have that white space in our house, (laughs) we have that white space in our calendars as well. That's it. And because that's a flow on, isn't it? It's not just your stuff. I mean, when you work to simplify your belongings, it then often, not always, I guess, but often does impact your ability to say no to other things, commitments and and things that will take up your time and energy. Do you find that a lot of people that you work with in physical stuff capacity then have additional flow on effects that that they discover over time? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I hope that that is the case for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably because I'm such a huge proponent of minimalism Mm -hmm. that I'm always harping on about the effects of decluttering um, that I found in my life and clearly you found in your life as well. And I I think also for my clients, it is that acknowledgement that they have the permission to do whatever they want with their life. Like they don't need to seek that permission from somebody else. They have that permission to say, actually, I'm going to let go of that. That was really important to me at one season in my life, but it's no longer important to me. And so I'm going to let that go. And so I think learning that you are the controller of your life, not other people's expectations of you, not the things that you've brought into your home, like that inanimate objects do not control your life, Mm. that you actually control your life and you have permission to do with your life and with your things what you will. So if you want to keep 
50 shoes, you can keep 50 mm-hmm. shoes, you know, 50 pairs of shoes. If you want to keep five bookcases full of books, you can keep five bookcases full of books. If you want to keep one book, you can keep one book. It is your life. You get to choose it and you get to decide what it is that your values are and the vision for your home is. Um, so did that that probably didn't quite answer your question, but no, it's just, that was my <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I um I think we're on the same page. To be <laughs> Okay, so I want to get practical before we wrap up in two ways. So one of the most common obstacles that I don't know if you come across it, but I know I certainly do, that people have when they're decluttering is they're happy to let go of the stuff, but then the time comes to actually get it out of the house and they'll find that charity shops won't take some things and, you know, some places won't resell electronics and all these other things and we're we're kind of really – terrified and saddened by the idea that a lot of our stuff is going to end up in landfill, which is a phenomenal waste of resources and, you know, has huge Mm -hmm. implications. So we don't let go of it at all. We might box it up, but it might sit in the back of our car for six months, or it might sit in the entryway of our house. And and then it just kind of gets absorbed back into the, you know, the bloodstream of the the house. So Mm -hmm. how do you recommend that people get stuff out of their home as efficiently as possible without just relegating it all to landfill. Hire me because I take it away for <laughs> for you. All right. Well, that's really that's actually a really practical and helpful answer. <laughs> yeah. What um, do you do with it then? So, I will find places that I can donate it mm-hmm. and then sometimes when I can't, it does have to go to landfill. Yeah. It is that's the reality and the I also often, it is a teaching opportunity Mm -hmm. for me when I'm with a client to say, well, let this be the start of a new day for you. Let this frustration that you feel at your stuff ending up in landfill or your stuff not actually being able to go to a new home, being donated to somebody who actually needs it because it's for whatever reasons, Let this be an opportunity for you to start being more intentional about what you actually bring into your home from now on. And let's not get to this point again yep. by being intentional. Like, yeah. And I think that that kind of guilt, that horrible churning in the gut feeling that we get when we realize there's literally nothing I can do with this stuff, like it, it does mm-hmm. need to go into landfill, can be a great motivator for change. I agree with yes. you. Yeah. And that, and that's frustrating and hard and annoying and messy, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah, it's the process, isn't it? And then it's, as you say, yeah. moving on uh, next the next day's better choices, different choices. Yeah, and often I go into people's homes and they might – like I – I really try to be a good carer for the earth that we've been put on. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I have to just say I'm with my when I'm with my clients, I'm like we just have to chuck everything out today. Yep. Like not chuck out all their possessions, but I for instance I had a client who was really big into recycling um, plastic bottles. Mm-hmm. But she had a real urgent need to clean out the house. And so I said, look, I really honour and respect your need to recycle these bottles today, uh, you know, in your life. However, 
all this just needs to go today right. because of the urgency of the task at hand. So we will recycle everything that we can, but your bin is only so big and we're going to chuck out everything just to get it out of your house. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality of my mm. job sometimes mm. is that it is actually more important to get things out of somebody's house than it is to be a responsible citizen of the earth. That sounds horrible and I hate saying that. No, it makes I mean, me feel think... sick saying it, but that's the reality. Sometimes you just need to let go of your ideals to get to your vision. But also I think that that would be challenging for you to separate that. Like you can't own that either, I guess. No. That would be, that would be no. a hard thing about doing what you do would be, yeah, removing – you can't – judge yourself for that either I mean yeah it's interesting I mean I'm I literally never thought about that side of the kind of work that you do but it would be very challenging yeah because mm. I love being generous I love being you know generous with donations and finding the right home for things but sometimes it the urgency of a project or the you know people have often called me because they've hit rock bottom right and they've actually acknowledged their need for somebody. And as we've spoken about, that's a very vulnerable state to have gotten to. And it's really brave mm. of people to call me and to acknowledge their need for somebody else. So sometimes the best thing for me is to get things out of their house as quickly as Strike possible. Strike while the iron's hot, while they're feeling brave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah while they're brave. Yeah. And so – Sometimes processes take months and if you're doing this by yourself like you guys did, it can take months and years um, and that's great. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and everybody has to go on their own journey. But sometimes it can be a quick and fast process mm. and in those situations then, as I said, sometimes your intent has to be forsaken for the greater good. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does. Yeah. And thank you for answering that. So honestly, because I had never really considered it, but I, you know, I also understand that there are people who would be, that you would work with, who would be struggling with issues greater than just, I wish my utensils drawer would close, you know? So I, I think yes. that, yeah. And that would be the reality of, of what you do. There is a whole spectrum of overwhelm that comes with stuff from situations that are relatively uncomplicated, which mine was, it just took forever, but you know, to people who really do have tendencies to hoard or have, you know, emotional attachments or familial attachments or whatever it may be. So I appreciate you answering that honestly, because I think it's really easy to be all or nothing about this stuff and really black and white. And the reality is it's not, you know, most people's experiences no. aren't. No. And that's why um, a lot of the time I, I take out, um, so what people have chosen to let go of, and it's always my client's choice. Mm -hmm. It's never I never impose you know I never make them do anything it's always their choice but I will take I will often take as much as I can in the car yeah. myself so that that stuff doesn't come back into their homes right. like yeah. you said yeah. just makes it easier because you've as soon as you've processed it like you've made that decision so just let it go and you actually haven't fully made that decision until it's actually yes at the op shop yes or it's actually in the bin yeah. or it's actually been donated to 
wherever it needs to be donated Mm. to. The quicker I can make that for people, the better. Yeah. So sometimes speed really does. Yeah. Yeah. There's something really important there, I think. Yeah. I was speaking to my co-host of of the podcast that I have the other day and we were just chatting um, about if we've ever regretted letting go of something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Have you? no, because I actually forget about that mm-hmm. when I've let it go. I actually let it go. And not, that's not to say that other people haven't regretted. I know a client of mine, I couldn't take everything for her and she did keep a box. She had boxes and she accidentally threw out the wrong box. Right. So that was devastating to her because yeah. it was um, memento stuff. It wasn't physical items that could be easily replaced. Mm. It was, you know, letters from her childhood and stuff that was really horrible that it was mistakenly chucked out. But Amy couldn't think of anything either. Oh, no, I think she did, but it was easily replaceable. I think it was like a juicer or something. (laughs) So it was easily replaceable. But I think this is one thing that I've got out of minimalism is that I have cleared my headspace so much by practicing the habit of just doing things now and letting go of things. So, as I said, I hung clothes out this morning as soon as the washing machine finished, and I didn't. I don't have to keep that in my head anymore. I don't have to be thinking for the next couple of hours. Oh, I've got to remember to hang that washing out. I've got to remember to hang that washing out. Oh, have I remembered? Oh. No, I haven't. I've got to go hang that washing out. I find that with lots of things, daily habits, but also when I've let go of a ring that an old boyfriend gave me, I actually don't think about that ring Mm -hmm. anymore because I've let it go. How about you, Brooke? Like, have you let go of something that you've regretted? Mm, No, (laughs) I haven't. People (laughs) used to ask me that all the time and I never had a satisfying answer. And then I that is a satisfying answer though yeah no I think people were looking for <laughs> for something They're like see I told you this this lifestyle yeah. sucks you know <laughs> but it doesn't no it I, doesn't. for a while I thought that I had decluttered uh back in year seven so I was like 12 I wrote the entire story of the hobbit in poem form for an assignment I do. it's so dorky like just incredibly dorky. I I spent so long tea staining the pages and burning the edges to make it look like, you know, an antique scroll work. And it was 17 pages long. And I thought that that had been tossed with all my other old school papers and stuff. And that was literally the only thing that I remembered wanting from school. Uh, and anyway, I had to find, um, oh, I have a memory box, you know, where I have a handful yeah. of memory, like memorable things and yeah. wedding photos and stuff and I found it in there about oh. it was just before Christmas last year because I actually read the poem on a silly Christmas episode last year and that was the only thing but I don't even have that to answer with anymore because I found it because <laughs> <So, laughs> you didn't let it go that's right exactly <laughs> so I'm sure there's some kind of twisted story or moral in there but I don't know what it well, is. maybe you could let it go now because yeah. you already thought that well, you let it go well exactly <laughs> Exactly. Um, or, or maybe I could you don't. frame it and stick it in my house because it is yeah, just a masterpiece. Give it honor. Yeah. <laughs> give it honor, Brooke. It's, yeah. It's wildly, wildly mediocre, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kirsty, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you for being so honest about your work and the vulnerabilities and the questions and the, you know, the, the varying layers of the onion that come with it. 
<laughs> You're welcome. It has been my absolute pleasure. I love being vulnerable. <laughs> my clients can important. attest to that. I'm yeah. always crying with them. <laughs> but I just think that there's so much to be learned by being honest. You know, it doesn't need to look mm. a particular way to be honest. And I think that a lot of depth comes when we feel like we can share honestly. Uh, and I appreciate it a lot. It's been wonderful. You're very welcome. I have loved fangirling you. <laughs> oh, <thank> you. <laughs> Hi, Papa.